Saints, remain standing and turn to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1. We will consider chapter 1, verse 15, but a portion that we didn't consider last time. <clears throat> Colossians 1.15, he is the image of the invisible God, we will consider this morning, the firstborn of all creation. May God add a blessing to the reading of his word and now to the preaching of his word. You may be seated. <clears throat> Uh, we don't normally plan this. It's very ironic, though. Pastor Antonio this morning talked about, technically speaking, the existence and the essence of God. And today we will talk about the threeness of God. That is to say, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so we move from the one and now to the three. For a quick recap, saints, last time we were together, we considered... Colossians 1.15, when St. Paul says he is the image of the invisible God. Simply put, all what this means is this, that Jesus is God. That's simply it. That Jesus is the image of the Father. That Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, is the image of the Father. And now, Paul is going to expand on that point. Christ being God. Saints of God, is there anything that we need to know in this day and age? If there's anything that we need to stand on, it is that great confession of faith that has stood the test of time, and that is Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is God. They've already taken away in schools how the universe began. They already are talking about um, I'm trying to say this as as uh, as kindly as I can um, for children being here. They're they're already they're already trying to take away how God has made man, and pretty soon, saints, they're going to explicitly explicitly take away any idea that Jesus Christ is God, that Jesus Christ ever existed. They're already doing it in colleges. And soon, I'm sure they will do it in schools and elementary schools. So, saints, if there's anything that we need to know, we need to teach our children, we need to have in our hearts, confess with our mouth, it's Jesus Christ is God. And St. Paul here is, is really belaboring this point. Jesus Christ is God. Today, we will consider what Christ being the firstborn of all creation means. The firstborn of all creation means. Now, Without doing much research in this text, just simply hearing the text, it would seem like St. Paul is promoting false teaching. Again, without doing any research, without reading any commentaries, it seems like Paul is teaching heresy. What do I mean by that? Again, speaking of Jesus, he says he is the firstborn of all creation. Immediately, our antennas should rise. 
Why is this statement problematic? Well, consider the call of Jehovah's Witnesses. Consider what Jehovah's Witnesses believe. Jehovah's Witnesses believe that Jesus was created by Jehovah as the archangel Michael. Think of what the early church, or, I was going to say father, heretic Arius said. The early church heretic Arius said, there once was a time when the sun was not. What do both Arius and Jehovah's Witnesses have in common? They both believe that Jesus was a created being. Now you might say, well, what's, what's the, what's the big deal about Christ, the eternal, the, the Son of God being created? What's the point? What's wrong with that? Well, simply put, saints, if Jesus is created, we could say this, if Jesus as the Son, if the Son of God is created, then he's not God. Again, if the Son of God is created, he's not God. If Jesus is created, the Son is created, then all of what we say about Jesus and all of what Jesus said about himself was a lie. Remember, Jesus said that he is God. Remember, he, remember, he, he, he said that he and the Father are one. That if you have seen me, you've seen the Father. But if Jesus, the Son, is created, then what he was teaching was a lie. <clears throat> In fact, if Jesus Christ is not God, then the Pharisees and the Sadducees had every reason to put him to death. For he was actually blaspheming the name of God. <clears throat> Saints of God, if Jesus Christ is not God, then we have no salvation, simply put. If Jesus Christ is not God, if the Son is not of the same nature of the Father, not similar, but same, the same nature, if Jesus Christ the Son of God is not as much God as the Father is God. And simply put, we don't have salvation. Why? Because we don't need an angel and we don't need a man super elevated by grace to save us. We need God in the flesh. And praise God that St. Paul is not promoting heresy. And praise God that St. Paul is not promoting false teacher. That when he says that Christ is the firstborn of all creation, that he doesn't mean at one time Christ was not. That Christ is the first, right, in a long succession of those who will come after him in terms of what? Being created. Christ, the Son of God, is not, hear me now, you heard this morning, when we talk about the creator creature distinction, right, this wide gulf between essentially who you are and who God is, the Son of God is not... In the building of who you are. He is not with you in that great chain of created beings. Him being the first one. No, 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 no. So what does St. Paul mean when he says Christ is the firstborn of all creation? Two meanings. Two meanings, okay? There's two meanings to this. Number one. Christ, or rather, St. Paul is highlighting the preeminence of Jesus Christ. When, G when Paul says that Christ is the firstborn of all creation, he's highlighting the preeminence of Jesus Christ. Here we see Paul is putting forth the superiority, 
the supremacy, the greatness, the excellence, the prominence, the peerlessness, all words that are synonymous with preeminence is lodged in to what St. Paul is saying. That Jesus Christ is the most excellent of all. Most excellent of all. And Scripture, saints, speaks of this way. Scripture speaks of this way of, of speaking of one that is first is always the one that has preeminence. We heard this morning, and I'm going to touch on this at the end from Pastor Antonio, how God uses language that we're familiar with in order for us to understand the severity of what? Namely, his wrath. And here, he uses, God is using St. Paul, right, as an instrument to convey language for us to understand how high and preeminent Christ is. How high is Christ, how superior, superior is Jesus Christ? Scripture speaks of this way, Daniel 7, 9. I kept looking until the thrones were set up and the ancient of days took his seat. His garment was white as snow and, there, and the hair on his head was pure wool. Again, speaking of God, right? God uses language that we're familiar with, ancient of days, in order for us to understand something about him. Now, when it says ancient of days, speaking of God, we want to think that God is very old. As you heard this morning, God is pure act, so God is not old and God is not young. Right? There is no, quote, age in God. He is from everlasting to everlasting. So when we think of ancient of days, that which is ancient is that which we revere. And I used to go with my mother uh, to antique shops. <clears throat> And there was to be a sign that children under the age of, and I forgot, let's just say eight. Children under the age of eight must be supervised. So I could not go out and just look at, you know, the antiques. Why? Because they're antiques. And things that are, you know, of, that are antiques are seen as high value. We know that. I go into many, Homes, and I see many customers who have their old china sets in the um, locked away, so no one can touch them. Right? Uh, you have safes that you might have antiques in. So that which is ancient, we see, and we and we we see it in a form of reverence, right? And that's how God is speaking of Himself. That when you think of God, you must revere Him. Ancient. Of days. Okay? Revelation 22, 13. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning of the end. Again, saints, doesn't mean that Jesus Christ is literally the first and he will be literally the last, right? But what it means is, saints, it's a creaturely way to speak about Jesus Christ who knows no beginning and knows no end. He's eternal. Simply put. That's what that means. So likewise, when Paul says that Christ is the firstborn, he's speaking of the superiority and the preeminence of Christ. How high is Jesus Christ? Higher above all. But when we say higher above all, both immaterial and material. In other words, both that is created, right? And all things that go into being created. So think of 
from the very lowest things, plants, crisis over that. Animals, crisis over that. Humans, crisis over that. Angels, crisis over that. Even above creation itself, the words, let there be light, Christ is over. He's over the whole created order. Why? Because he stands outside of the created order. He's not one with us. Okay? As God. This gets a little tricky when we talk about Christ as man. But as God. That's the first meaning of the phrase. The preeminence of Christ. The second meaning that Paul intends is very where things get very difficult. Very, very difficult. And saints, when I say very difficult, not because of our human intellect. Not because we're not smart enough. But because it's very mysterious. Very mysterious. We are now going to try to think about one of the most, if not the most mysterious things we can say about God. Again, Paul says that Christ is the firstborn of all creation. Now, let me ask you, is this a bad statement? Could have he said that in a better or different way? In other words, can we say that Christ was born? Can we say that Christ was born? Well, of course we can. Because Christ, the eternal Son of God, assumed a human nature. And he was in the virgin's womb. So yes, as man, he was born. We know that. But Paul doesn't have in mind here the human birth of Christ. He doesn't have in mind the human birth of Christ. But rather, Paul has in mind the divine birth of Christ. The divine birth of Christ. So the statement of Christ being the firstborn of all creation, is it a true and right statement? That Jesus, think about this, saints. Jesus Christ as God, the Son of God, can we say he was born? Can we say he was born? Well, and yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. We must affirm in Christ two births. One eternally and one in time. One eternally and one in time. Just as we confess, you know, in Christ, two wills, two operations... We affirm two births, two births. Scripture testifies of this, saints. And the way in which Scripture testifies this, it's not, a, it's not exhaustive in this way, but it's a nice way for us to consider. By using the word begotten, by using the word begotten, let me just run down some text for you guys. John 1.14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father. John 1.18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Psalm 2.7, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to you, you are my Son, today I have begotten you. Hebrews 1.5, for which of the angels did he ever say? Again, which of the angels? Christ not the angel. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. And again, I will be a father to him and you shall be a son to me. And last text, Proverbs 8, 22, verse 24 through 24. The Lord possessed me at the beginning of his work. The first of his acts of old. Ages ago, I was set up at the first before the beginning of the earth. 
When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. We seek a congregation that the scriptures are quite clear that Jesus Christ as God was born. Jesus Christ as God was born. How do we know that? Because scripture testifies of the son being begotten of the father, being begotten of the father. This is confessed throughout church history, the Nicene Creed and in the Lord and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God, begotten of the father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God. Athanasius says it is right to call the son of it is right to call the son the eternal offspring of the father. Now, here we see that our fathers of the faith, they uphold this birth of Christ, this beginning of the Son. But notice, saints, notice, 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 notice. And if you don't get anything out of this, please get this. When they speak of birth, it's always qualified. When they speak of birth, it's always Always qualified. It's always qualified. In other words, when they speak of birth saints, when they speak of the father begetting the son, when they speak of the son being birthed from the father, they always strip away any and every ways and always a son is begotten of the father in a human way. So when they talk about the son being begotten of the father, They speak of it in a way that strips away any notion that this son is begotten from the father in the way in which your son was begotten from you. They they always, this is what we do with theology, saints. We affirm the predicate, but we deny the way it's being predicated of. That's what Pastor Antonio did this morning. Beautifully, right? Beautifully. We say, we say, right, that God has some sort of wrath, but we must predicate of what we mean by it right cyril of jerusalem helps us clearly he says when you hear that the son when you hear that he is a son this is beautiful when you hear that he is a son do not understand this improperly you should know that he is truly the son a son by nature and without beginning he did not come out of bondage into a higher state of adoption but was the son eternally begotten in an incomprehensible generation when we think about the son being begotten. We always must think of it. Not in the manner of men. And that's hard. It's very, very hard for us. Let's consider just two questions, saints. Two questions. What and how the son is begotten? What and how the son is begotten? What does it mean for the son to be begotten, saints? Well... What it doesn't mean to say the son is begotten of the father. Usually when we hear the word begotten, we define it as bringing forth children, which is right. We should. For example, there once was a time when I was not a father. And then when my wife, Leela, was pregnant with my first son, Owen, um, that potentiality of me being a father was actualized by then what? By my son. So I wasn't a father. And then I became became a father when my wife was pregnant with my son, Owen. The title of fatherhood then was added to who I am, right? The title of fatherhood was added to who I am. The title of fatherhood, if you're blessed to have children, was added to you. You weren't a father 
you know, when you were weeks old in your mother's womb. But it was added to who you are at a certain period of time. You became a father. And then you brought your son into existence. There once was a time when your son wasn't. There once was a time when my son Owen wasn't. And then I brought him, you know, of course, with God's help, into existence. And, well, my wife really did all the work. But we brought him into existence. But, saints, we can't say that of God. Again, this is where now we strip away all the ways in which we predicate this of God. Right? We strip away all the humanness, all the creatureliness. We push it out. That's what we do with theology. That's what Pastor Tony did this morning. You're, you're squeezing out all of the imperfections and humanness and creatureliness so that we can think about God properly. Okay? We can't say that the eternal father at one time was not a father and then once begot his son and became father. Why can't we say that? Because that introduces change in God. And God doesn't change. Amen. And God doesn't change. Rather, this is very hard, very mysterious. You ready? The Father has always been the Father. The Father has always been the Father. Which means, saints, that there was no win. Quotation parts. Win. There was no win of the Father beginning of the Son. That we can't point to a time, saints, when the father begat his son. We can point to a time when your children were begotten. But we can't point to a time when the father begat his son. Why can't we, saints? Because there never was a time when the father begat his son. There never was a time. If if we had the ability, you know, to take a time-traveling machine and just put it on turbo and go all the way back into the ages of eternity. Can we find when the Father begot His Son? No, we can't. We confess that the Son is eternally begotten of the Father. Eternally begotten of the Father. The Father doesn't create the Son. You create your sons. You create children. The Father didn't create, right? There, there was no... There was no this, uh, there's a cult out there they, they, they propose this view called the Mother God. Um, it's very, 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 very weird. If you ever go to the mall and you see, you know, gentlemen with backpacks, just run away because they're going to talk to you about this idea of there being a Mother God <clears throat> who, come from, who came from Korea and all this other stuff. Um, the father did not get together with some mother deity and then have the son. That's not what happened. There was no procreation when the son is begotten. The father doesn't bring the son into existence. The son is not dependent upon the father. And nor is the father dependent upon the son. I'm, I, I know, saints, I am, I'm, this is stretching our minds because we don't think in this way. Right? There, there's no, there's no creaturely analog that we can attach to our, right? Um, this is very difficult for us to apprehend because when we speak of a birth, we immediately impress upon our minds time, age, and things like that. However, as Origen says, the statements we make about the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit must be understood as transcending all time and all ages and all eternity. It doesn't say 
Anything we say about God with respect to the works of God in God, we must not attribute anything creaturely. Our minds must elevate what we experience. Anytime we speak about God, saints, as Pastor Antonio did this morning, our minds must elevate our own experience and we must not impress our experience upon God. And if we do, we must squeeze out all of the creaturely imperfections of it. Right? In human beginning, the father precedes the child. You know, I preceded my child. My father before me preceded me. I came before my son. And hopefully my son will outlast me. But saints, we can't say that about the father's beginning. The father didn't come first. Not even in a, not even in a moment, the slightest moment of second of time. He comes first and then the son comes after. No, 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 no. That's not what happens. Why? Well, scripture tells us it doesn't happen. Remember John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. In the beginning, creaturely words in order for us to understand, right? Eternity. There was the father and not behind, but right next, there was the son. In other words, since the Father is eternal, the Son is eternal as well. And we must think of this, this beginning. When the Father begets the Son, it's an eternal act. It's not an act that happens in time. It's an eternal act. Just as there's always been a Father, there has always been a Son. And the Father has never been without His Son. We can't say that about us, but we have to say that about God, even as hard as it is. And I would even add to this, saints, that the Son is, the Father is not dependent upon His Son to be Father. And the son is not dependent upon his father to be son. I know this is very hard, but this is what scripture tells us. This is what scripture tells us. Since the father is eternal, the son is eternal as well. Think of a human birth. You know, my child receives my likeness. However, my humanness is not his humanness. He has a, although we're in the same genus and species, but his humanity is not my humanity. There's a difference there. However, however, when the father begets the son in eternity, you know, creaturely speaking, right? All that the father is, he gives to the son. All that the Father has is given to the Son. You cannot say that about yourself. You cannot say that about yourself. All of who you are is not given to your child without remainder. But all of what the Father is is given to the Son. The Son has all that the Father has because he is the Son of the Father. Hilary Propdier says, to be from him, that is to say, to be from the Father is the birth. To be from him who is eternal, and this is a beautiful argument, nothing else comes except what is eternal. Notice what he's saying. Notice what he's saying. That which comes from one that is eternal is also eternal. And if that one that comes from whom is not eternal, if that, if the son comes forth from one who is eternal, but the son is not eternal, then the father is not eternal as well. This is a beautiful argument to speak of how the son 
is of the same nature as the Father. Saints of God, tell this to your Muslim friends. Tell this to your Jehovah Witness friends. Tell those to those atheists who say, well, because he's a son, he's not eternal. No, because he's a son, he is eternal. Because the Father is eternal. And if the Father, right, is not eternal, the Son's not eternal. But since the Father is eternal, by necessity, the Son must be eternal. And if the Son's not eternal, the Father's not eternal. Simply put. We answer the what. This is what it means when we talk about the, the Son begotten of the Father. Um, very reduced, very, very reduced down to even how I can, can conceptualize and think about it. <clears throat> the last question, how? How is the Father begotten of the, of, or how is the Son begotten of the Father? How does it happen? We know how it happens between us. Um, a male and a female. Yes, actually we can say that. I mean, I was going to say, let me, let me try to say it in a way that's more gentle or no. A male and a female, they get together and they have a baby. That is the only way. And that will continue to be the only way. I'm preaching to the choir. But that will be the only and continue to be the only way in which a human is born. So is that what happens then with the son? How? How is the, how does the father beget the son? Since it's not how human fathers beget all their offspring, how does the father eternally beget the son? Here's the answer, saints. I thought long and hard. Read a lot of people. No one knows. No one knows. No one knows. Church Father Irenaeus says, If anyone asks how the Son was produced from the Father, we reply that no one understands. That production or generation or calling it a revelation or whatever term applies to his begetting, no one knows. Irenaeus says this in the second century. Thomas Aquinas, How has the Son been begotten? God's begetting ought to have the tribute of our reverent silence. The important point is that you learn that he has been begotten. And last one, Ambrose says, one can know that the son is born, but one must not question how he is born. Saints of God, just know that he was begotten. Simply put, how? Don't worry about it. The father and the son know. The spirit knows. That's it. You will never know. And that's okay. But just know that he was begotten of the father. This is a deep mystery, saints. A deep mystery. But whatever we say, saints, about this begetting, we must not attribute it, or we must not bring our own creaturely experiences to it. So when we talk about the begetting of the Son, quite frankly, it's better to talk about what it's not. Because you can't answer what it is. I can give you what it is. I mean, church fathers have said it's the Father um, eternally communicating the divine essence of the Son. That's very even hard to even think about as well, right? So, likewise, saints, we must have reverent silence when we think about this begetting of the Son. Lastly, 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 is there an analogy that we can use? Is there an analogy that we can use to help us better understand Help us better understand this, the, the Son coming forth from the Father. The Son coming forth from the Father. Okay? <clears throat> um, 
following St. Augustine, and then later perfected by Thomas Aquinas, the church has used an analogy to help us understand, right? An analogy to help us understand how the Son is begotten of the Father, how the Son comes forth from the Father. We read in Holy Scripture one of the titles that's given to the Son. John 1.1, 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You might have heard before, don't use analogies when we talk about the Trinity. Saints of God, you must use analogies when you talk about the Trinity. you got to go the analogical route when we talk about the doctrine of the Trinity. So, by naming the Son Word, this will be very brief. By naming the Son Word, we can use an analogy, saints. Something that we, have, something that we experience in our own time that helps us understand how the Son comes from the Father. Okay? The analogy that we use is how a word comes forth from the intellect. How a word comes forth from the intellect to help us understand how the Son comes forth from the Father. First, let's consider a word. A word. There's two. Uh, there's a twofold aspect when it comes to a word. A word comes forth from one who speaks him. That is called the exterior word, right? So if I say, explain a tree. The words that you use to explain a tree are the exterior words, exterior words. But also, saints, a word is something that is conceived in the mind, but it's never spoken. So if I say, think of a tree, but don't speak about it. Your concept of a tree stays in your mind, right? Very, very easy to understand. If I say, think of someone who you love. But don't describe it to me. That concept of who you love is in your mind. It's distinct from your mind, but remains in your mind. You don't speak it out. That's an interior word. Thomas Aquinas says that's the word of the heart. Okay? The tradition meditated on this, and they said that since the, the eternal Son is the word of the Father, since he is the word of the Father, we can say by analogy, by analogy, that the way an interior word comes forth from the intellect but stays in the intellect is how the Son comes forth from the Father. Again, the way in which an, a word comes forth from you but stays in you is not spoken is the way in which the Son comes forth from the Father. And now, and now, uh, analogically speaking, saints. <clears throat> so we can say by analogy, the Father, by knowing himself, conceives of a word that best describes who he is. That word is what? The Son. Son. Think of it this way. Think of it this way. If I said, brother and sister of the faith, describe to me who you are. Without speaking it. Describe to me who you are. But only use one word. Only use one word that best captures all of who you are. Without remainder. You know, you know I think of myself... Don't laugh. I'm loving. And and if I say that, I can't. I also have to add, Norma, I am loving. I also have to add other things as well, right? I also have to add, I might be funny or I might be this or I might be that. So my conception of who I am is not of all of who I am. But saints, we cannot say that about the Father being the Son. The Father knows himself and he conceives of himself, and what comes to his mind? The Son. The Son. 
the Son. The Son does not come out of the mind of the Father. Then you have Arianism, right? The Son does not merge into the mind of the Father. Then you have modalism. But the Son is distinct, the distinct conception of the Father while remaining in the Father. John 1.18, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son who, has in, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. The Son has explained the Father. The Son has explained the Father. Because he is the word of the Father. One theologian says the word is the full expression of the whole divine being in the Father. The very expression of the Father. Thomas Aquinas says beautifully, the Father says all three persons in a word. All three persons are said in a word. Who is the Son? Okay, that's enough there. What's our comfort in this, saints? What's our comfort in this? How can we live in light of this? Um <clears throat> Let me just give you three quickly. Number one, because the Father begat His Son, we can trust that our worship is not misplaced. Because the Father begot His Son, and because the Son has the same nature of the Father, you can trust, saints, that when you pray to Jesus Christ, you're not praying to an invisible God. Well, He is invisible, technically speaking, but and a God that's not a God that's not that's imaginary. You're not praying to Allah. You're not praying to the God of Mormonism or Jehovah Witness. You're praying to the one true God. And that's what we want to know, saints. I mean, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be very, very, very crummy if we, if we spent our whole life praying to Jesus, worshiping Jesus, and at the very end, it wasn't Jesus? That would really be terrible. The saints of God, you are worshiping the right God. You've come this morning to worship and you place your faith in the right God, Jesus Christ. He is truly God, light of light, God of God, very God of very God. But also, saints, we can know that this is a great defense for when we talk to our atheist friends, our agnostic friends, our Muslim friends, because they want to deny the deity of Christ. Well, saints of God, when you say that Christ is God, don't first and foremost point to the miracles. Point to the fact that he's the son of God. He's the son of the father. That's where we point to first and foremost. Secondly, I thought long and hard about this, but saints of God in this, in this morning brought it up more. We see the great kindness of God in display in Revelation. The doctrine of the Trinity saints is something that we without Revelation would never know. Never know. Man, God in His kindness and His mercy and His love, He gives to us words like begotten. Things that we know and we experience in our own life to help us understand how the Son is of the Father. I mean, what great condescension without these little simple words like begotten, right? Like like wrath, <laughs> like things like that, then we would not know our God. And saints of God, he does this for us. He, he gives to us words, simple words, elementary words. You learn at a very early age, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. We learn from the very early age what begotten is. God gives to us this revelation of him. And he says, it's something like this, but not like this. But at least you know better. At least you're not left in the dark. God does not leave us in the dark. He gives to us creaturely words, creaturely experiences that we have experienced to help us understand him. And third and lastly, saints, Christ 
although he is the son of God, a son by nature, by grace, he gives to us his own sonship. You are a son and daughter of God. If you believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a son and daughter of God. That Jesus Christ says that this sonship is not just to me. Although I am a son by nature, I will extend my sonship to you all by grace. Paul tells us in Galatians 4, So we too, when we were children, were held in bondage under the elementary principles of the world. But when the fullness of the time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, so that he might redeem those under the law, that we we might receive the adoption as sons and daughters. Because you are sons, God has sent you the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. What's the highest thing we can be in this world? What's the most privileged thing we can be in this world, saints? I tell you what, it's not having, it's not being a doctor of X, Y, and Z. It's not being a famous basketball, baseball, football player. It is to be called a son and daughter of God. That's the highest privilege. That's the goal, right? Of, of, of humanity. It has to be a son and daughter of God and to cry out to God, Abba Father. Let's pray.